Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Cricket Corner podcast with me, Watsal Vora. As for one last time on this platform, we are going to talk about the 2023 Ashes. There is so much to talk about. We are not only going to review the fifth and final test match at the Oval, we are also going to review the Ashes as a whole. So sit back and relax because this could be a long one. I don't have a script in general. I have some bullet points that I want to cover. So we'll get through those and see what the time is at the end. Let's start by talking about the fifth and final test match at the Oval. Well, I was there on day five, sitting in the JM Finns stand and witnessing the greatness of the legendary Stuart Broad. Well, I can tell the future generations that I was there when Stuart Broad was bowling for the final time in his professional career and when he took those last two wickets of Todd Murphy and Alex Carey to win England the test match and level the series to a piece. Well, it was just mesmerizing to see. And when you talk about the final test match at Oval, you have to talk about Stuart Broad. I think it was at the end of day three where he announced that he was retiring from professional cricket at the end of the fifth test match at the Oval. So the fourth day and the fifth day were just dedicated to him. He got a standing ovation from the Australians while... On at the beginning of day four, when he was coming out to bat with his good mate Jimmy Anderson, when England had just one wicket remaining in their second innings, and the last ball he faced as a professional batsman, he hit it for a six. He pulled it in front of square. I can't remember who the bowler was, but yeah, his final ball as a professional batsman was a six, and his final delivery as a professional fast bowler in international cricket, he got the wicket of Alex Carey to win England the Test match. Yes, Stuart Broad has had an incredible career with England, but let's funnel it down to the fifth day of the fifth and final Test match of the 2023 Ashes series for for a minute. Let's, Let's do that. England needed all 10 wickets on the final day because there were there was rain on at the end of day four and 
Australia were 135 for no loss with David Warner and Usman Khwaja both getting runs of above 50. They're both uh, above the half century mark at that point in time. And it looked like they still needed like 250 odd runs to win, but it, it felt like the game was in Australia's grasp. But then Chris Wokes gets early wickets. Moin Ali gets a, gets a few wickets uh, somewhere in the middle. And, <clears throat> and, and the game then kind of went down to the wire with England needing two wickets to win. Australia needing 50-odd runs to win. And then you saw a partnership develop between Alex Carey and Todd Murphy. Don't get me wrong, Todd Murphy has been exceptional with the bat. He scored some 30-odd runs in the first inning so he he's no uh couch with the bat as well he can he can hang around and it showed uh the same thing he was flicking balls for fours he was blocking deliveries like a proper test match batsman so england needed something special and that something special was provided by none other than Stuart broad once again flipping those bales like he did in the first innings to get the wicket of manas labushain and it was just magnificent to see it is down to Stuart Broad to get those wickets, yes, but someone who will be the unsung hero of this, of not only this Ashes, but the 2019 Ashes as well, is the Sky Sports commentator Nasser Hussain. Nasser Hussain and his commentary are iconic when it comes to the Ashes. We all remember those wonderful lines which he said whilst on air when Ben Stokes hit those winning runs at Headingley back in 2019. It, was, it goes along the lines of cut away cut away for four, what an innings, what a player, take a bow, Ben Stokes, the Ashes are well and truly alive because of one cricketer and that cricketer is Benjamin Stokes. Those were one of Nasir Hussain's best pieces of commentary but I think he might have surpassed that by what he said when he was on air when Stuart Broad got the wicket of Todd Murphy. He said something along the lines of, well, he's done it. Outswinger past the edge. Outswinger past the edge. Outswinger finds the edge. Those were the words which Nasser Hussain said whilst commentating on the wickets toward Broad took of, I think it was Todd Murphy. Yes, it was Todd Murphy. That was the ninth wicket. And I think Stuart Broad later revealed that had he not taken that wicket of Todd Murphy on the final ball of that over, that was his last ball. In international cricket, before uh, because Stokes, the uh, the captain Ben Stokes, had already told Stuart Broad that he is going to bring in, I think he was going to bring in Mark Wood from the pavilion end because he Mark Wood had just bowled nine overs in that innings and he was kind of fresh and he needed some extra pace to get uh, Todd Murphy or Alex Carey. So Stuart Broad just decided to charge in, bowl the best bowl he can possibly bowl, and he unfortunately for him he got the wicket which allowed him to get another over from Ben Stokes from that pavilion end. And once again, coming round the wicket to Alex Carey, got that final wicket with secured ashes. Not only secured the ashes, sorry. Secured the victory for England, leveling the ashes to a piece. And it was just brilliant, brilliant ending. Theatre ending, if you personally ask me. And take a bow, Stuart Broad. You deserved every bit of it. And the crowd was just magnificent. Whenever he came in to bowl. He was, the, the crowd was just behind him. I think the crowd really gives Stuart Broad the energy to bowl some beauties. I think he was channeling the crowd at the uh, Edge Baston test, the first test match. He was 
he was uh, playing along with the holly stand and there was and i think he didn't do that at the oval but the crowd was thoroughly behind him the the whenever he was going at, going in on his run up to bowl the delivery the crowd were just uh, cheering him along and i think stuart broad himself has mentioned that the crowd gives him the energy and the and the oval crowd was kind of responsible i would personally like to believe since i was there that the oval crowd were responsible for him taking those couple of wickets but yeah incredible end to an incredible career and i think yes in the end it was a two two all in the end uh, in the ashes and australia have retained the ashes but the way england played not only in the headingley test and the old trafford test and the and the oval test i think they deserved not at least a draw if not a win in my opinion and stuart broad make sure made sure that they would end the ashes series on a high heading into the limited overs season but yes stuart broad the more you talk about him the more you realize that how big of a legend he is as far as english cricket is concerned here's here's his uh, stats for the his wonderful test career which he just concluded at the oval couple of days back 167 test matches 604 wickets his best being 8 for 15 in that wonderful spell he bowled against australia at trent bridge his home ground trent bridge don't forget in 2015 uh, he was also the part he was also a part of the england side which won the t20 world cup in 2010 if i am not wrong and He's had decent career numbers when it comes to ODI cricket as well. 178 wickets in one-day internationals, 5 for 53 being his best, 65 wickets in T20 international cricket as well. Yes, he will be remembered for the bowler being the one who Yuvraj Singh targeted when he scored those six sixes at Durban back in 2007 ICC World T20. But he has come... long way from that and i don't think it's right to remember him just for that purpose because he has done so much for international cricket so much for in- english cricket in general in general as well that he deserves to be right up there in one of the greatest fast bowlers to play this wonderful game of cricket there are just so many memories for which stuart broad will be fondly remembered I already mentioned the 8 for 15 against the Australians in 2015 there's obviously the test 100 169 at lords there's the how shall I put it the hat trick against my beloved Indian side where he got MS Dhoni and Harbhajan Singh if I'm not wrong and uh, the third batsman is eludes the name but yeah so many good memories from Stuart Broad I think one of the formula 1 commentators mentioned when a driver was retiring that you should leave the sport before the sports the sport with which you are competing leaves you and i think it completely holds true as far as stuart broad is concerned the way in which he was bowling he has got so much left in his tank not not that i would say he can play for another 4 or 5 years and in well into his 40s like James Anderson is doing but the way in which he bowled the 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 swing the control even a few instances with the bat it felt like there's a lot left in him in the tank he could have easily played the next summer and the test series against Sri Lanka at home but he decided to call it quit when he was on top of the on top of his game and that 
is what still holds true that the cricket within Stuart Broad has not left him. It's Stuart Broad who has decided to leave cricket behind and and it's the most honorable thing one uh, a sportsman can do as far as his uh, career is concerned so yeah i'm i'm really pleased with how stuart bot's career has been throughout his uh, throughout the last 17 18 years uh, since making his debut all the way back in 2006 2007 and i'm sure the cricketing brain inside stuart broad is not going to leave anytime soon he wants to talk cricket i know he does punditry for sky sports for the 100 so we are going to see him pop around here and there and maybe in the future he'll be a full time sky sports employee when it comes to cricket commentating and join the likes of nasir hussain and michael atherton so yeah for one last time thank you stuart broad it was an honor seeing you from from the oval in in front of me and uh, i'm going to cherish those memories for a really long period of time that's for sure so yeah that was the stuart broad appreciation part of this podcast and uh, a look back at the fifth and final test match at the oval i think in the end england recorded a 49 run victory over the australians to level the series 2-2 yes australia have retained the ashes and no one is going to take that away from them but i personally feel like england played the better cricket if you look at the ashes as a whole yes they lost the first two test matches but they won at headingley they could have easily won at old trafford judging by how australians were struggling on that occasion and they won at the oval so had the weather not intervened i personally feel like england and baseball would have triumphed over the mighty australians but but well hindsight is a wonderful thing isn't it and i think ben stoke himself said hindsight is a wonderful thing in the end the his- the history books and the record books are going to say that this series ended in a two all draw and australia retained the ashes and took the urn back to the melbourne shores but i i want to credit australia as well yes i feel like england were the better side but credit to the australians they had a wonderful english summer personally they won the world test championship final against india and they carried that momentum into the ashes winning the first two test matches a bit uh, the headingly test match could have gone either way let's be honest uh, they could have wrapped up the ashes at headingly but unfortunately for them that wasn't the case and uh, england were just monumental and uh, they played brilliant cricket to level that level the series to a piece i i'm personally a huge fan of how this ashes went and if you look back at it i think fond memories is what you all will get uh, each and every test match had some or the other moment for which the test match deserves to be remembered like let's let's go in a chronological order here the h baston test the, the holly stand the root century and then the stokes declaration pat cummins and nathan lyons brilliant partnership to seal a narrow victory that's what h baston test will be remembered for so many so many things happened at the at the lords test match which was the second one there was the oil protest the best stumping the alex carey controversy wonderful innings from ben stokes on day 5 and then you go into the headingley test match the third test match what do you remember from that one the wonderful fiery spell from mark wood chris wokes's innings uh 
which sealed the victory towards the end. The fourth test match at Old Trafford, yes, it was rained off, but it would be always be remembered as the test match and the coming of Zach Crawley. What a brilliant knock that was, 189 of, I think, 183 or 182 deliveries. Absolutely smashing the ball all around the ground. I think Michael Vaughan compared him with Virendra Sehwag. That's a bit far-fetched if you personally ask me. But I think the 189 runs which Zach Crowley scored was probably the innings of the Ashes. Well, I didn't talk about it. But in the third test match at Headingley, even Mitchell Marsh came away with a century. Uh, and the fifth test match, obviously, at Lords, at, sorry, at the Oval, will always be remembered and cherished for being the last time uh, we saw Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson play together as Stuart Broad has retired from the game of cricket. There were so many good performances from both the sides. The man of the series, obviously, where in England they have two man of the series, one from each side. The one from the Australian side went to Mitchell Stark. I think he ended the Ashes with the most wickets in the end. I think he got like, yeah, 23 Wickets from seven innings at an average of 27 was just exceptional with the ball. The England side of the things went to Chris Wokes. Yes, he played just three three test matches, but England just found another gear, found another groove when they included Chris Wokes and Mark Wood in the side. Chris Wokes ending with 19 wickets from six innings at an average of just 18.15. He was just magnificent with the ball. Stuart Broad ending the Ashes with 22 wickets. But, but then again... If you look look back at things, this this Ashes series reminds you of how good the Australian pace attack is. I think I already mentioned it or, or not. I'm not quite sure. But, um, but yeah, I feel like Cummins, Hazelwood and Stark, the trio are just exceptional with the ball. And I think these Ashes were a reminder of that fact. Of the top five wicket takers in this Ashes series... Three of them are Stark, Hazelwood and Cummins and two of them are Broad and Vokes. Shows how little impact spin has had in this series. Now, I'm not sure how much that has to do with Nathan Lyon's injury after the Oval, oh sorry, the Lord's Test match, the second one. Uh, Todd Murphy kind of did his job, but uh, I think this series was dominated by pace attack. As far as the batting is concerned, Usman Khwaja was just magnificent. 496 runs. I think he became one of the few or a batsman in a very long time to face a thousand deliveries in an Ashes series. But then on the other hand, there was Zach Crawley. Zach Crawley, 480 runs of nine innings. He played an inning short because England weren't able to bat at Old Trafford. So he played nine innings at an average of 53.33. There were so many talks about the inclusion of Zach Crawley. There are people stating prior to the start of the Ashes that uh, why have you dropped someone like Ben Fokes who is good with the gloves. Yes, Ben Fokes' wicket-keeping was kind of missed during the early stages of the Ashes when Johnny Bairstow was looking dicey behind the stumps. But he he eventually got, got going really well and took some amazing catches, one at Old Trafford, one at the Oval, come spring to mind uh, straight away. But Zach Crowley, man, I think he's really, like, like silences doubters altogether. And I feel like he has converted a lot of haters into fans in a way because the way in which he's batted, and I think he said it in one of the interviews after the game that England side don't want him to be consistent because 
when you try and find consistency you can sometimes lose the innings of your life like the 189 he scored against Australia in the fourth test match at Old Trafford but what Zach Crawley has done in this innings in particular is that he he has not shied away from his style of play he knows he's going to be aggressive I think the Australians are aware of the fact that he's going to play aggressive cricket right from the get-go. That's why they spread the field as soon as he's arriving at the wicket. And he's not afraid to to play his shots. Yes, he might find a few inside edges, a few edges over the slip cord and, and stuff like that. But that doesn't that doesn't bog him down at all. And that's that's the confidence in, in Zach Crawley, which we have not seen over the past few years and which we have seen it for the first time. He scored 480 runs at a really good strike rate. I think he played at like 80, 85, 88 or something like that. Um, and not only was he good with the bat, which he certainly was, he has become an excellent excellent slip catcher as well. I think Zach Crawley probably caught the best from either of the sides, if you personally ask me. I think England have not only found their long-term opener in the form of Zach Crawley and a partner in Ben Duckett, they also found a reliable slip taker, slip catcher in a way, at second slip in Zach Crowley. And I think this Ashes will fondly be remembered not only for Stuart Broad, Chris Wokes, Mitchell Stark, but also for Zach Crowley. And that's saying something as far as he's concerned. Wonderful, wonderful innings. Yeah, here is uh, he played at a striker of 88.72, which is just phenomenal as far as a test series is concerned over and a test series which had five test matches in it so yeah credit to Zach Crawley as well some other notable performances which uh, remind which I personally will remember is uh, Steve Smith you cannot talk about Ashes and not talk about Steve Smith another well-made century at Lords Travis Head looked good as well David Warner had a few decent performances here and there Usman Khwaja did have a hundred at Edgebaston, if I'm not wrong. Joe Root had a hundred at Edgebaston as well. There's so many good moments to remember. As I already mentioned, Mitchell Marsh had a hundred at Headingley as well. On the downside, however, it was a series to forget for a couple of players, but notably for James Anderson. He he looked out of his depth. He was I, I'm I'm not going to say he bowled poorly because on on a few instances, not on a few instances, on, on so many so many notable instances, he beat the bat. He was so close to the sums. He beat the outside edge. He was able to swing the ball on a few instances here and there. It was unfortunate that he ended the series with just five wickets, but he still has the hunger to perform, and that's what I am really proud to see in a man who has turned 41 just last week, and he still has the the hunger and the appetite to go out there and perform for England and get over the line, get that 700th wicket. I think he's currently at 690 or something ridiculous. So I think James Anderson did have a series to forget, but I'm sure he's going to learn a lot heading into 2024. Someone from the Australian side who had a really torrid season was Scott Boland. I think he played two test matches, ended up with like three or four wickets. The experiment of playing Scott Boland did not work and Australia might have figured out that playing Stark, Cummins and Hazelwood when they're completely fit and ready to go is the right way to do. 
Cameron Green, a lot was expected of him heading into this series. But unfortunately for him, Mitchell Stark has really found his place into that lower middle order. And uh, it was, it's, it's going to be a competition between him and Cameron Green heading into future test series on who that all-rounder will be. Yes, Cameron Green does offer a little bit more with the bowl. But Mitchell Marsh with the bat is just exceptional and he was just magnificent. As far as uh, my team of the tournament is concerned, I haven't given it much thought to be honest. But let me just pull out that team and see where where things lead up to. Like the openers are obviously going to be Crawley and uh, Usman Khwaja. I think at number 3 I'll pick Manas Labushin. He had a few iffy moments here and there but I guess the century at Old Trafford the 111 which he scored in the second innings was really important not only for the context of that particular game but for Manas Labushain's form because he hadn't been in good form as far as test cricket is concerned he had a really forgettable Border Gavaskar trophy earlier in this in, uh, in 2023, he had a forgettable time in the World Test Championship final as well. Heading into the Old Trafford, te- Old Trafford Test, he had a few starts here and there, but he wasn't able to capitalize on those starts and make it into a good, big, big score. But I think he kind of did that at Old Trafford, so I'll put him at number three. England really lacked a proper number three ever since Ollie Pope was injured in the second Test match. They tried Harry Brook. Sorry, they tried uh, Joe Root in there. They tried Moin Ali. Moin Ali, yes, he did get a 50-odd in the fourth test match. But apart from that, they didn't have a proper number three to consolidate that position. So that is the reason why I'm going to go with Manas Labushain. Joe Root will be at number four in my team of the tournament. 412 runs, a century in the first innings. Healthy contributions in all the test matches, particularly at the Oval as well. And he can score at an alarming rate as well. So, I'll pick him at number four. Mitchell Marsh at five as an all-rounder. Ben Stokes at six. Alex Carey will be my wicketkeeper at seven. And then I have to pick four bowlers. And since Spain barely did anything in this series, I'll pick four quicks. I'll have to go with Mitchell Stark, the leading wicket-taker. Chris Wokes is obviously there as well. Stuart Broad. And the final one would be Pat Cummins. So that would be my team of the tournament for the 2023 Ashes. And it goes as follows. Zach Crawley and Usman Khwaja. Labushain at 3. Joe Root at 4. Mitchell Marsh at 5. Ben Stokes at 6. Alex Carey at 7 as the wicketkeeper. Mitchell Stark, Chris Wokes, Stuart Broad and Pat Cummins being the bowlers to wrap things up. A special shout out should go to Moin Ali. For the services to the to this test squad, he was called up in a very haphazard and a quick manner into this test setup, coming out of retirement to replace the injured Jack Leach. And he did his part with the ball. He surely did his part with the bat as well. And then called it quits at the end of the oval test match, the fifth one, the fifth and final one. So, yeah, a wonderful, wonderful Ashes series, as I have mentioned so many times. And it was an honor, it was a privilege to cover it on the Cricket Corner podcast. It was an even bigger privilege to be there at the Oval on the JM Finn stand on day five and witness those amazing moments right in front of my eyes. Chris 
uh, Stuart Broad's bowling, Chris Vokes' bowling, Moin Ali, that failed drop catch of Ben Stokes. So many things happened on that day five. And I think I'm going to cherish those moments for a really, really long period of time. But if you have stuck around till this point of the podcast or you have been listening to any of those any of the Ashes podcasts throughout this summer, then I sincerely thank you. Uh, I think the amount of love and affection I've been getting not only on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, but also on YouTube has been really, really motivating for me personally. Yes, the channel has just 34 subscribers at the time of recording this podcast, but I feel like we can go places and all I need to do is remain positive and remain how shall I put it? Consistent is the key, uh, and we can grow as as a community on this podcast. Special mention to my friend Joe, who was there at the Oval, who has given me a, and who, with whom I've had a lot of healthy conversations in the uh, over the course of this Ashes. Also, my friends Nachiket, Yash, Twij, who whom you have seen on this podcast when we talk about England cricket. Oh, sorry. Indian cricket they have been uh, they have been exceptional over the course of this ashes as well so shout out to them as well we'll see you will see those three lot heading into the Asia Cup and the World Cup but for the time being this is the end of the English test summer they are going to play New Zealand in a limited over series I think both test and one dayers which will be a healthy preparations for England heading into the World Cup however Thank you for tuning in into this Stuart Board special and an Ashes wrap-up podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to like, share and subscribe. If you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure you are giving me those wonderful 5-star ratings. However, for the time being, this is me, Vatsal Vora, signing off from the Ashes. A lot more to come on this channel, so stay tuned. However, for the time being, ciao for now. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.